the story of the wise men. The wise men and their quest to find Jesus. Because there they were. Hello, this is Terry Cheek. I want to thank you for choosing our broadcast, and my prayer is that it will be an encouragement to your walk with the Lord. Comments or questions can be directed to me via the link on our sermon audio page. Now, on to your selection. And they see the star, and the star begins to lead them, and they begin to follow it, and they embark on a journey that takes them to places and in front of people that they thought they would never be in front of. That's what we're going to look at and consider this morning. Beginning with verse 1 in chapter 2 of the book of Matthew. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes and the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least of the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor, and shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother <clears throat> and fell down and worshipped him. And when they sinned, and when they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, and being warned of God in a dream, they should not return to Herod. They departed into their own country another way. May God add blessings to the reading of his word this morning. When we're thinking about the wise men, I have a question I want to present to you. I'm sure you have noticed how life doesn't always turn out the way we plan it. Have you ever had one of those circumstances? where you have your idea on how something is going to pan out, and when when it when it comes to fruition, it's just, just nothing, it's just not right. Sometimes circumstances just they don't follow our plans, do they? Often it seems that 
Life is nothing more than a series of shattered dreams or broken expectations. Believe it or not, these wise men had had spent what is believed to be about two years following the star. When they found Jesus, he was not an infant any longer. He was a toddler. When the star first appeared to them, it was right after his birth. So Jesus was a couple of years old. They had followed, they had moved on foot, traveling, seeking Jesus. They were following the star. They left their home, they left their families, they walked away from everything they had, and they were now pilgrims looking for Jesus. Along the way, probably they faced troubles and perils and all kinds of problems. They even found themselves standing in the presence of King Herod. Now when they were told and they were given the, uh, they were given the instructions and they were told about the star and they were told that they were going to go find this baby and he was going to be the savior of the world. If that would have happened to you or I, who would you have expected to see? Would you have expected to have went to find a prince in a palace? Or would you have expected to have gone and found an infant in a poor working class living in more of a shack than anything else? I believe if we're honest, if that impression had came to us, we would have had the image of Jesus being a prince, of Jesus being some kind of royalty. Because prophecy had always said that he was coming of the lineage of David. And David was king. David was king of Israel. So would you not expect this prince to have been in a palace or in some type of a kingdom or something? I know I would. And I'm sure the wise men, they moved and they were looking for Messiah. And they were looking for him in more or less a place of luxury. But what they found did not meet their expectations. They found the king of kings in the home of a peasant. A carpenter's son. They found the king of kings living in the lower working class area. And there they were looking and I'm sure they were stunned. Herod himself was expecting a rival king to be coming up, a rival person who was going to be trying to take his place. He wasn't expecting someone of the peasants that were under him. Amid all of this, amid all of the broken expectations and the broken dreams, that people have about Jesus, we can find three things of hope 
that speak to our lives out of this Christmas story. Not just today, not just until Wednesday when we have Christmas Day, but can speak to our lives 365 days a year. Because what they looked for in the palaces they found in a shack. So what I want you to look with me and see with me this morning are three things that happen to us when we look for God in the shack of life, in the troubles of life, in the disappointments of life. That's what I use that word to represent. We all have had those disappointments in life. But three things I want you to see from them that the wise men saw out of their journey to find Jesus. First of all, wise men who are looking for God will find him. It wasn't what they expected. It was they came to worship and worship they did. They found God in a shack. They saw God in Jesus. God doesn't only show up in luxury, folks. He doesn't show up in comfort and He doesn't show up in ease. As a matter of fact, if we really look at God's Word, we're going to find that He shows up in the midst of struggle. For instance, look at Joseph of the Old Testament. God showed up in his life after he was thrown into a pit and sold into slavery, then thrown into prison. That's when God showed up. Look at Moses. God showed up in Moses' life after he had murdered a man and was exiled and he had to leave Egypt and he became a shepherd living in poverty. Look at Job. God showed up in Job's life after, after the devil talked God into letting him tempt Job. That's when God showed up after the temptations, after the trials, after the troubles. What about David? God showed up in David's life many, many times, but when there was always when David was in trouble, he was being pursued by Saul, or it was after he had sinned with Bathsheba and he was seeking repentance, or it was when his own family was trying to overthrow him as king. That's when God showed up. And then what about the Apostle Paul? Paul could have had it. He had the, the lineage of being a Pharisee. He had everything already laid out for him. All he had to do was just stay in step with everything that was put out before him and he would have had a life of ease. But Jesus met him on the Damascus Road and when Jesus met him on the Damascus Road and he began preaching the gospel, everything and everyone turned against him. And God met him in the prisons and God met him at the end of the persecution where stones were being thrown at him and God met him there. So wherever you're at in life and whatever the difficulties and the circumstances are that you're facing in life, I want you to know God will show up. He's not hiding from you. 
And just because life is being cruel to you, and just because it's throwing you down, and just because other people may be trying to step on you and stand on you, doesn't mean God's not there. He's right there with you, going through those trials, going through those troubles, going through those problems, and going through those difficulties. I spoke in the introduction about the wise men making their travels and the perils that they had to face. God was with them during those perils and during those times. That's why they made the end of the journey. That's why they got to where God was leading them. Often, where we picture God leading us is not really where God's taking us at all. Often we've got to wait and find out and often wherever God's taking us to, we're really struggling when we get there because we're scared, we're frightened, we're, we just don't understand that we have to go by faith. We've got to go by faith. So this morning, this Christmas morning, this Christmas season, as we're approaching and we're thinking about these wise men, I want you to see them on a journey of faith. And I want you to see yourself today on a journey of faith. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, God is walking with you. God has already prepared your path for you, and God is moving you and taking you down the road He needs you to be on for some particular purposes in life. What are those purposes? Well, He could be correcting you. Now let's just get honest about it this morning. He could be correcting you. Over in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 6, For those whom the Lord loves, He disciplines, and He scourges every son whom He receives. So if you're thinking today that you're saved and God shouldn't be correcting you, God correcting you because you are saved and because He loves you. And that's something to be thankful for. I have said often, the word repentance is the most beautiful word there is in the Bible. Because the word repentance tells us that God loves us enough to give us a chance to turn around and walk back to Him from where we walked away from Him. All we have to do is be like that prodigal son over in, over in the Luke's Gospel. And all we have to do is just go running back to Him. He's there with His arms wide open ready for us. Yes, he will correct us. He will correct us when he sees us going astray. Revelation chapter 3 verse 19 says, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Be zealous means be excited. Be excited and repent. Be excited because God loves us enough to call us back to him. This morning as we're looking forward to worshiping and the birth of Christ and understanding who he is and why he was born, let's be excited about the privilege of being able to come to him. Let's be excited about the blessings that he puts in front of us. Let's be excited about everything he lays out for us to do in life. Let's be excited about Jesus this holiday. We're not only can he be correcting us, but he can be instructing us. He's trying to reveal himself to you in a new and in a different way. Romans 8.28 And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. 
whatever it is, whatever it is in life that we get faced with. Maybe you're not really faced with anything specific today. Just wait. Because it's coming. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Because sooner or later, life's going to throw you a curveball. And when it does, you're going to need some help. You're going to need God. You're going to need help that many can't buy. You're going to need help that people can't necessarily give. You're going to need strength and wisdom. And you're going to need guidance and you're going to need direction. And you're going to get that from God. And the only way you're going to get it is where He instructs you. And He moves in your heart and in your life. That's why it's so important to stay close to God. That's why it's so important to stay prayed up. That's why it's so important to stay in your Bible and stay read in the Scriptures and follow them. It's not about what you memorize. It's about what goes into your heart and what stays there so that in the right time, in the right place, God can instruct you personally. He instructed these wise men daily in their walk. For two years, approximately, they walked. They walked from one part of the Holy Land to another, following a star. That's all they were following. By faith, they were following that star, expecting it to lead them to Jesus. Now let's be honest with ourselves. How do we have enough faith to set out on foot and walk for two years following a star because we were told there was somebody special on the other end? If we got those instructions, would we have enough faith to follow them through? And that's a serious question. That's a serious point. Because that's all the wise men had. They didn't have a story to look back on and see what the end was. It hadn't been written yet. But yet in our lives, we are faced with situations similar to that on a regular basis. We are given only a small portion of what the end. We're just told that there's something at the end. And we have to pursue it by faith. The Bible tells us that heaven is the end for those who believe God and those who believe in Jesus Christ and accept Him as Lord and Savior. Now, I believe that, and I believe that in faith this morning without knowing what heaven looks like, without knowing anything about it, without knowing any of the particulars or any of the details. But that's part of that same faith that I was just talking about. I get that faith from the instruction of God's Word, and I want to encourage you today to get into God's Word and find that same faith. It's in there for you as well. Well, it's also perfecting you. When I say perfecting, I'm talking about completing. 
It is completing you. He, God is working in the life of the Christian to constantly mold and shape your life into what he wants you to be. Not necessarily what you want to be. Not necessarily what you've planned to be. And I'll tell you a little story real quickly about myself. My career, my life, since 1987, has been based in the electrical trades and in the electrical industry. I was an electrician by trade. Still am. I was a licensed electrical contractor, ran a business for a long time. My goal, my plan for me was to be an electrical engineer. So I went back to school in 1999 and I took the first two years of engineering school here locally, planning to move to a four-year school and finish out an engineering degree and then go and take a test and get my professional engineer's certification. That was my plan. By the time I graduated from the local college, God had called me to preach. At that point in time, my plan changed. There wasn't an engineering school in the state of North Carolina that would accept me. I tried. Western Carolina University would not accept me in their program. University of North Carolina, Charlotte would not accept me in their program. You know who accepted me? A little school outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee called Covington Bible College and Seminary. They accepted me into a Bachelor's of Ministries degree. And that's where God had me from that moment on. I had never spoken to people in public. I was a very shy, backward person. I couldn't talk to anyone. I couldn't do any of that. Over the course of time, God worked and molded and shaped me into the vessel that he wanted to use to accomplish his work. Now, you want to hear something even more amazing out of that? If I go all the way back to my high school years, I was actually a high school dropout. I quit high school. Now, it didn't take me long to realize I made a big mistake. But at that time, they didn't have the programs they have today. When you do that then, your only hope is to go to McDowell Tech and get in there and, and, and get a GED. That was the only option. You couldn't go back and get your diploma. So I got a GED. And that's where I based my career on with all of that. But do you know, when I got into the seminary and I started working past my bachelor's degree, I was required to have a high school diploma. And I said, well, this is it. This is where God's going to stop me because I've stopped myself. I can't qualify for anything. God opened those doors. I got through a master's program. And then I thought, okay, this is it. Well, then I got contacted by the school and they said that because of the way things were working and things were moving, that they felt led to offer me an opportunity to go into a doctorate program. Doors that I did not qualify for academically. If you read the, the list of things there, I didn't qualify for them because I was a high school dropout. 
God opened those doors. But yet the programs that man put together that said I should qualify for in the engineering programs, God closed those doors. God is working and shaping your life and my life daily, moment by moment. When we feel like the wheels have came off and we're sitting at rock bottom and we may be in all reality we may be and I've been there too we may be sitting at rock bottom but you know what's at rock bottom? the rock Jesus Christ the rock that that he will build his church on so this morning when you're thinking about what's going on with the wise men and you're thinking about what's going on and taking place in their lives and you think that it's just a casual walk across the desert from town to town to meet Jesus. They had all kinds of problems that God had to work them through. They had all kinds of perils. They had all kinds of expectations that got crushed on the other end. Their lives were no different than our lives. No different than all. But something else, do you realize what happened when they got there? Even through their disappointments and even through their situations and circumstances, wise men still knew how to give. It would have been easy for those wise men to have said, that's it, this is not what I expected, I didn't sign up for this, and they should could have just turned around and walked away. They could have said, I don't know what this is about. But we we came here looking for a king. We didn't come here looking for a carpenter's son. And they could have turned around and walked away, but they didn't. They stayed there. They said, we've came to worship and we're going to worship. We've came to greet the king of kings and the lord of lords and we're going to greet him. And we came bearing gifts. Gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gifts that were fit only for a king. Gifts that were there only to greet Jesus and to greet the Messiah himself. When you find yourself in these difficult spots and these difficult situations, it's not time to give up and walk away. It's time to find place to give to find Jesus and find a way to give to him, give yourself to him and let him have you to do his work through. It's time to look and find someone else that's in need and you can give to them and you can help them. It's time to find and look for a way to be the servants of the Most High King to the people who need him the most. Those who don't have him. Those who need a hand up. Those who need an encouraging word. Those who need uh, uh, to just be hugged. To just be loved. Those who need to receive the gift of God which is the love of Jesus Christ that can be given only through you. The wise men came and they saw and while they were there they had options to leave or to walk away but they decided to give. We too can decide to give. To give of ourselves. To give of the love that God has shown us. To give of the love that He's directed. The surest way to get a blessing is to be a blessing. That's true. That's so true. 
Giving comes from the heart. There's a little story in Scripture called the widow's mite. She went to the temple to give her offering. Well, there was a Pharisee there giving his offering too. And he was dumping money in the, in the, see, there was a little, a little flute or a little window like thing there that they would drop money in and it would make a clanging sound. And it was there so that it was put there on purpose in order to make all of the big givers sound big when they chain, when the money would, the coins would rattle going down. This Pharisee was there and he was making all kinds of noise, giving out of his abundance. Giving out of what he had, the amount that he had left over. And there was a widow. A lonely widow. That walked up. And all she had to her name was a penny. And she dropped that penny in. And Jesus asked those who saw it. Who do you think gave the most? He said the widow did because she gave everything she had not just from the abundance of what she had. All God asks from us is that we give ourselves. We give ourselves to Him and to others. When you think about that, think about the great commandment. Someone asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, to love God first with all your body, your mind, and your spirit. And after that, to love your neighbor as yourself. That's paraphrased, but that's the greatest commandment. If you're going to give, if you're going to give, give of yourself to God first and then to others and lastly wise men who seek for God and look for him everywhere he can be found receive grace while those wise men were there in Jesus presence they received grace two ways first they experienced saving grace because they came into the presence of Jesus and they bowed before him. They worshipped him and they called upon him. He moved in their lives. Even as an infant, spiritually, he moved from heaven in their life. Second, they experienced sustaining grace. Today, where you sit, where you are right now, you're looking at grace in a couple of ways. If you've been saved, if you know Jesus has saved your soul, you have experienced saving grace. And you're here today in the safety and security of where you're at because of sustaining grace. You're going to be moved forward by sustaining grace. We are moving forward by sustaining grace. It is the love of God helping us move forward Daily, one step at a time. There is an old acronym that goes back many, many years. I don't know how old it really is. About grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. 
When we think about grace, that's what it is. That's what it is in my life. That's what it is in your life. It's God's riches at Christ's expense, what he paid for on the cross. When those wise men were there and they were bringing that gold, frankincense, and myrrh to Jesus and they were giving it to Him and they were worshiping Him and heaven was coming down and one of the, I believe one of the grandest worship events ever in the history of humanity took place in that little shack in Bethlehem that day. I really do. I believe heaven was moved. I believe earth was moved. I believe blessings came down. We can expect to find God's, God's grace in that hour of need in our life. Words from the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities than the power of Christ may rest upon me. That was Paul's words when he had his thorn in the flesh, as he called it. Whatever his physical problem was. Paul prayed three times for that physical problem to be removed. And God came back and God spoke to him. And God told him, My grace is sufficient for you. Paul, strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, Most gladly therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ can rest upon me. God says that's great. Paul says that's great. God, if that's the way you want to get glory, here I am, get glory that way. Grace moved in Paul's life. Grace will move in your life too. You call upon God. You may not get the answer that you want. You may not get your ex the end that you expect. But the end that God gives you, He will give you grace to sustain it. He gave the wise men grace to sustain their end. He gave Paul grace to sustain his end. He gave John grace to sustain his end. He's given me grace to sustain many ends in my life. And I'm sure you, when you look back, you will find grace that he has given to sustain many ends in your life as well. By your own testimonies, God is at work in your life. God is moving and He is great. He's working through you in many ways using you as a testimony to His goodness and His grace. This Christmas when you're opening packages when you're enjoying being in the company of family, loved ones your friends here, stop for a moment and just realize you too are in the presence and in the company of God. And it is His grace that is sustaining you and seeing you through it all. 
whatever the past may have been, whatever the road may have been that led you here, whatever the circumstances may have been that got you here, it was all a matter of God's direction and purpose in putting you in a place where you can be a testimony to His grace and to His goodness. And you are a testimony, all of you. I am, I leave here more encouraged on Sunday than I can ever remember leaving any place where I worshiped before. Just because of the way all of you hold yourselves up, the things that you've been through and the things that you've talked about God bringing you through is a testimony of encouragement. And I want you to find that same strength that those wise men found. Because when you go seeking the Lord, you'll not only be finding Him in your life, but you will be finding Him in the lives of others that are watching you. You'll be finding Him in the lives of the children that are watching you and you're working in front of the, the co-workers, the friends, the neighbors. Those who don't know Jesus. Maybe this morning there's someone here that doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Maybe you're not really sure about it. I want to encourage you before we leave today. Come and let's talk about it. Let me show you in the Bible what God's Word says about finding Christ. We can point you to Jesus. And you too can walk away today being a wise one, being a wise woman in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the words you've given. Lord, I pray that you'll continue to bless these women here at the shelter. Lord, I pray that you'll move in their hearts and lives and you'll continue to guide them in grace. Lord, I pray that you'll make the road ahead one that is smoother and one that is paved to see the glory that you have in their lives ahead of them. Give them strength, give them encouragement, give them direction. And in all things, Heavenly Father, make sure they know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I pray that if one today doesn't know him, that they will come to know him before this service is over, before this day is ended, without another delay. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.